Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-hosts. First up, he's got the partner with ability to partner with a very, very special Great Dane. It's Matt Morgan. Someone showed me a model of a 60-year-old jet fighter and they asked me what it's supposed to be called. And I just said, well, of course, it's a sonic boomer. (laughs) All right. All right. That was a I had to go a couple of levels on that one, but I can dig that. That was, a, that was well done. It, 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 you don't you see it and then you hear it. That's kind of how it works. <laughs> oh, that that was absolute perfection. The one, two, three punch on the jokes. You are in rare form tonight, Mr. Morgan. Just on all, all, right, on next, all cylinders. <laughs> next up, he's the guy who has the regular partner ability because he can partner with anyone, say any random podcast. Who knows? He might go to any other podcast at any moment. That's Dana Roach. Well, Joey kind of indicated this already. We found out this weekend partners are actually back in Commander Legends um, and not just partners with that we've got recently, but we're getting like the old school Commander 2016 partner where they have partners with Thrasios. Um, so there's going to be, there's 40 different monocolor partners. And if you do the math, that means there's 40 different possible partner pairs with Thrasios in the set, which is crazy. I'm really excited for it to see what kind of interesting mixes we get with Thrasios. Lord, that is really, really <laughs> funny. And of course, that announcement will be a week or maybe even two after this particular podcast airs. But man, I, uh, I am absolutely digging your love for the partner mechanic. Anyway, this is the EDH RecCast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we'd like to do is give all of that data a little more context. Fellas, what are we talking about this week? This week, we're going to go through the most combo-tastic and the least combo-happy commanders out there. 
Yeah, this is one I'm really, really excited for. We do have that new combo feature on EDH Rec, and that has given us a really cool insight to the ways that some commanders interact with combos. So we've already done one episode on that, but now we've got a part two and it's really, really exciting. I can't wait to get to it, but I'm gonna have to wait to get to it because uh, before we do, we've got some folks that we want to thank. First up, we really have to thank Josh Lequai and the whole team at the Command Zone podcast, including Ashlyn Rose and Lady Danger. They handle all of the post-production work on the podcast and make it look as awesome as it does, bringing it to you in video form. It is so spiffy looking. It's so good. We appreciate you guys so much. So thank you to them. And of course, we need to thank our sponsors for the show too. Yeah, the EDA Track cast is brought to you by our two favorite online magic retailers, Cart Kingdom and TCG Player. Uh, we got to play some games at Command Fest this weekend, and I brought out my new Adelaide's deck with singles I picked up almost exclusively from those two sites. TCG Player can get you any card in any condition, and Card Kingdom's vault of cards can run just as deep as TCG players, and they have a crazy good buy list if you're looking to sell cards too. Just click on the links below the cards on our website to visit the store of your choice, and that supports EDH Rec, and it supports us here in the show. Well, and if you would prefer to support the podcast directly, you can now go to patreon.com slash EDH RecCast. We have several different tiers all set up with all sorts of different perks too pertaining to the podcast. Maybe you want to join our Discord, and there is a level for that. There's also a level if you want to submit a challenge of stats, you're able to do that now as well. So head over to patreon.com slash EDH RecCast to support the show directly. You can also support us by just clicking the like button or upvoting us on whatever podcast app you happen to listen to. That means a lot too. That does us good, helps with our engagement, boosts our numbers, and shows us that the, the content we're creating means something to you. So that would be a great bit of support that we would appreciate as well. Yeah, absolutely. Times are certainly lean right now. So if you're not supporting us on Patreon, giving a like, giving us a follow, rating on iTunes, those are all really great ways to help support. Um, and, and now, guys, oh man, we've got to get into this topic because this is a really, really fascinating one. This is the most combo-tastic commanders. We are taking a look at the commanders who have the highest likelihood of actually comboing off during a game. And this is a question that I feel like a lot of people have asked before. A lot of people have gone into a commander game and asked, how likely is that player who's got the crazy artifact deck or the crazy tokens deck, how likely are they actually to combo off during a game? How frequently does X commander actually use combos? And now we've kind of got a way to measure that. It was something that we were working on when we first released the uh, combo feature on EDHREC. That once again is edhrec.com slash combos. And now we've got a way to actually measure that and see which commanders are actually statistically the most combo heavy. So just a quick refresher, because we did cover this a couple episodes ago in episode 125, uh, where we did look at the most popular combos and then uh, specifically ones that involved legendary creatures. Features. So this is going to build off of it and just to kind of go over our bases again one more time, make sure the methodology is out there. We are using the new page, just edhrec.com slash combos to help measure all the different combos and all the stats we're going to reference. Um, and shout out again to Commander Spellbook for assembling that whole database. They did an amazing job of lining everything out there and they had a judge working with them to make sure combos actually work because I don't understand how they work. So it's a good <laughs> thing somebody else does. Yeah, absolutely. So in that episode, we looked at uh, some of the combos, the most common 
combos that actually include a legendary creature as a piece of that combo. But that doesn't tell the entire story. That doesn't mean that that legendary creature is necessarily the most combo-tastic commander, or even that that's always a common thing that that particular legendary creature's deck will do. So now what we're going to do is compare that data um, from the info that we got from the database here and actually compare it to the main page of any given commander on EDHREC to see how frequently those commanders actually do use combos, how frequently those combos appear on a commander's EDHREC page, and how frequently they actually run them in what percentage of decks. So an important note here, um, these are sorted by percentage, not just the total number of combos that appear. So let's use an example of why this is the case. Uh, Goloth Tarivas Pilgrim is five colors and can play literally anything. Um, and there are 697 different combos that appear in the Goloth page, which is an <laughs> insane amount of different combos. Yeah, that's a lot of moving pieces. That's that's way too many. But a, a key thing to keep in mind, though, is um, just because they can run the combos doesn't mean they currently are. So there's only about 1,300 of the 4,000 or so Golos decks out there that actually contain one or more of these combos. So Golos decks only actually, you know, have a combo finish in them about 30% of the time. So it's a case of just because they can doesn't always mean they are. Um, so we'll measure this, like we said, not by the raw number, um, but by the actual percentage of usage of commanders. Um, and it's going to be way more than 30% compared to Golos. That's why we're not going to see Golos on this specific list. Oh, yeah. The the commanders that do make frequent habits out of comboing, they are at way higher rates than 30%. So let's get into it. We're going to be going through the top 10 most combo-tastic commanders. Start us off with number 10, Dana. Who we got? Number 10 is Gerard Weatherlight Hero with 63 total combos. So 148 of the 205 Gerard decks in our database, 72% of them are combo decks. Um, 25% of those Gerard decks include both Revel Arc and Karma Guide, which combine with any sack outlet at all to just infinitely loop. Um, you can use Goblin Bombardment, something along those lines for infinite damage, but it's a absolute combo powerhouse in Boros. <laughs> in Boros, of all places, we are starting off in Boros. Like you said, there are 63 different combos that appear on his page, and about 72% of the Gerard decks actually contain one of those combos, and that most common one is the uh, the other creatures that loop, like the Karma Guide. They have similar abilities to Gerard, so it kind of makes sense. The whole It's really uh, a harmonious fit to see all of these things that can bring creatures back and bring your artifacts back and bring more creatures back every time that they die. And so you're actually doing an almost like aristocracy kind of thing like you're sacrificing stuff to deal damage but in boros instead of black like guys i might have to build a boros deck now that's really what it's coming down to <laughs> i don't think you have it in you because you already have feather and that's a stretch so you that say aristocrats but i'm not sold on you actually doing that yeah two 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 joey decks without running black or green i don't believe that's a thing <laughs> No, All right. Out of the question. I, I've been appropriately called out. And actually, that's probably a distinction that I ought to make there. It isn't necessarily an aristocrat's deck just because it does have one particular type of loop. Like a combo isn't necessarily aristocrats necessarily. And I, I probably enjoy the aristocrat strategy a little bit too much to be entirely swayed over to our bearded hero. Well, our next commander actually has joey's color combination it is black white so there's black in it um not really running aristocrat style but, um it's more of a life manipulation type deck and that is selenia dark angel um so she is the legend back from tempest days um also known as dana's first gray hair uh so that is <laughs> three in orzov uh, for, for <laughs> three, three, 
You gonna be okay, Johnny? <laughs> no, that was savagely good. I'm sorry. I'm completely go on with our number nine, but that was really, really funny. I wasn't ready for that. I love you, Dana. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Selenia Dark Angel is three in Orzov colors, so a black and a white for a three-three legendary angel with flying. Uh, Selenia Dark Angel counts as an angel, but that's kind of creature typed now. Um, but you have the ability to pay two life to return Selenia to the owner's hand. Um, so Selenia comes in at number nine with 57 total d combos available to her that are showing up on the page. Um, but only, you know, 209 of the about 276 decks on the website currently are playing some sort of combo finish to them. So about 75%, so a little bit more than Gerard, but they're playing all sorts of different combos like Sanguine Bond and Exquisite Blood. Um, even 37% of Selenia decks out there are playing the Exquisite Blood Sanguine Bond combo in there. So it's Got some all sorts of different crazy cards in there. Um, plenty of other replacements in there. I know Vito, the new legendary vampire, that's probably made its way into plenty of Selenia lists as well. What do you guys think of the Darkest of Angel coming in at number nine? I think that really makes sense. This is a combo deck because the way Selenia works, particularly if you're doing the, the life swap version of the deck, is you just repeatedly activate that ability to bounce her to your hand. Um, and then when it's on the stack, do it again and again to take your life throw down to nothing and then swap with somebody else. Your whole deck is, for the most part, built around abusing that interaction, which doesn't leave much room in there for any kind of um, combat tricks. Like, you're just probably never winning by turning things sideways during the combat step. So if your plan is built around doing things outside that step to win the game, then of course it makes sense that you would also back that up with combos that do things outside the combat damage step. So this one really makes a lot of sense. Well, and not only that, but the Exquisite Blood and Sanguine Bond combo, that was our number three most popular combo of all of them when we were measuring these combos back on episode 124. It appeared in over 7,000 decks. A whole lot of decks are using that combo. So a classic commander like this that doesn't have, like you mentioned, Dana, that combat accessibility like some other life gain decks do, it is a perfect fit here. And of all of the combos to be, it, yeah, it would probably be that really super popular one that just instantly wins the game as soon as one point of life has shifted around a little bit too much and it completely goes off the rails. Well, and there's even some some heavy hitters that may not fall exactly into a infinite combo type of loop, but stuff like Repay in Kind, those are some cards that may not be explicitly a combo, but they synergize incredibly well. Yeah. So it's not surprising to see just any of these cards really showing up. Number eight on our list here is Yasan the Wanderer Bard with 33 total combos. 660 of 865 decks um, have at least one combo in it, so 76%. They tend to be infinite mana combos, especially with things like Priest of Titania and Umbral Mantle or basically anything you can do to untap things that generate mana. 18% um, of them use Priest of Titania and 12% use Elvish Archdruid, um, but there's plenty of other options and there's a lot of good synergy there because Yasan's tutoring ability to go get things, first of all, it can go get you the combo piece, but it also interacts very nicely with things that untap your stuff because then you can reuse Yasan ability. So it really makes sense that this is a combo deck, again, similar to Selenia. There's just a lot of synergy between what the deck wants to do and what the combos are doing. Yeah, for sure. This is also strikes me as one of those commanders that um, it looks innocent to me. I don't know if you guys necessarily get that impression, but I look at Yisan and I'm just like, oh, this is a really clever kind of a, it's a, a neat flavor. It's a mono green deck. I don't think that this will be, you know, 
too huge. It's probably not going to be, oh my goodness, they just went infinite and suddenly there's a crater proof behemoth. How did they get there? Like, that's my experience with Yuzan. Like, I, I am... I remember my my thought process of watching it unfold into something totally way more chaotic than I thought it was going to be when I thought that it was perfectly innocent looking. I played this deck actually when it first came out, and I was not even playing a combo version of it. I just thought, oh, this would be a funny, a fun, silly mono green deck, and then realized once you went and got Seedborn Muse, you just won won the game and nobody realized it yet because at that point you were just going to go grab things and then grab Crater Hoof and run everybody over. So So even without understanding really the the complexities of these combos it's a really really powerful deck and once you add in all of these layers it gets that much more that that much more impressive well and you're also in mono green so yes you have access to potentially infinite mana but you also have some pretty good mana sinks uh you mm. see azuri renegade leader showing up which is a very very good mana sink oh yeah if you have an elvish archdruid generating a bunch of mana because there's a bunch of elves in play using azuri renegade leader's ability to you know you pay three green and two generic mana but all your creatures get plus three, plus three, and trample till end of turn. Well, you just activate that 20 different times, and everybody mm-hmm. else is going to be dead in pretty much a heartbeat right there. Yeah, 20 is low, man. Absolutely. Well, you, anything else is excessive, really. Oh, <laughs> you're just flexing at that point. <laughs> yes, I put the, it's, it's, it's flexessive. That didn't work. All right, we're going to move on now. (laughs) Let's move to number seven. The number seven uh, commander that we're seeing here that has a bunch of combos in its decks. This is, surprisingly, Bruvac the Grandiloquent. He has 16 total combos that appear in some variations on his commander page, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but wait for this. Of the 153 Bruvac decks, 119 of them are using cards that involve one of those types of combos. So, Let's see, that's about 70, uh, 77% of the Bruvac decks are using combos in some way. And this kind of threw me off guard, I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't expect it to be something like this, but it does actually, once you realize that this is a mono blue commander, and that means it can use the Isochron Scepter and Dramatic Reversal combo, then things sort of start to puzzle piece together, clunk into place. This is a commander that can absolutely go infinite. And uh, as we discussed on our mill episode... I mean, milling people, it doesn't scale necessarily well to an EDH environment. So leaning into combo, it's definitely something that we see this particular commander doing to make that strategy a little bit more viable. Well, and it's interesting, too, because being the mono blue mill commander, I wouldn't have thought people were going to try really hard to make combo happen with Bruvac. Uh, sure, you have two different versions of Lazav that probably are going to be a little fitting. They give you access to black so you can play like the Dusk Mantle Guild Mage combo with Mind Crank or other other combos like that that are a little more well known. So it's interesting to me seeing Bruvac showing up so high so soon because he only came out in Jumpstart a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So it's it, that one, it's actually really surprising. You know, the, the Isochron Scepter Dramatic Reversal combo, that's not surprising because literally any blue deck can do that. Um, but it is kind of saucy seeing the Sphinx's Tutelage and Painter Servant combo showing up because everything is blue when you mill it or whatever color, um, and then you just mill them out infinitely from there. That is kind of saucy to see Painter Servant showing up again in creative ways now it's been unbanned in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. 40% of the Bruvac decks are using that Isochron Scepter one, but 25% of Bruvac decks are running that Painter Servant. And uh, when people are running Painter Servant, it's probably for a, a really spicy reason, and Bruvac definitely falls into that one. So that is our number seven commander here. Let's move now to number six. It is also a mono blue commander. Yeah, number six, we're looking at uh, Urza Lord High Artificer. 
82 total combos, um, just under 1,600 of the just over 2,000 decks have at least one combo in the list. That's 77% featuring one combo. There's a lot of Dramatic Scepter here, so no surprise there. Like Matt said, if you're playing Mono Blue, odds are there's a pretty good interaction there with uh, Scepter <laughs> and Dramatic Reversal. Uh, but this time in conjunction with Sensei's Divining Top, which you can act with the top's ability to untap it with Scepter, tap it again, repeat it over and over again. Um, you can get a ton of draw activations here to draw your whole deck out. 4% more decks are using Scepter and Reversal plus Top than just Scepter and Reversal. Which is hilarious to me, just by the way. I think that that's a really strange metric, and it almost doesn't quite make sense in my head, but like you are very, very likely to see a Sensei's Divining Top in an Urza deck. And once again, this is a commander that really nicely synergizes uh, with the most popular combos, like we saw with Selenia earlier, where Exquisite Blood and Sanguine Bond were the number three most popular combo in the entire format. Urza, he's the most common commander using the Dramatic Reversal and Isochron Scepter, as we saw on the past combo episode. So once again, those things, the things that the combos are after and the things that the commander is after, they are in perfect alignment here. Well, and just having having a mana sync when you do the Dramatic Scepter combo, mm -hmm. having that on the commander to actually use that mana sync, uh, plus, you know, Urza turns literally every artifact into a mana artifact. So it, it this is just a natural shoe-in. I don't think anybody should really be surprised they're doing this because if there's anything Blue is very good at, it's artifacts and then spells. So being able to tutor for all your combo pieces too, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else we can really say about this one. What, here, here's what I can say. It, we shouldn't be surprised to see it so high, but also I am surprised not to see it like in the top three. That one does actually surprise me a lot to see that Urza is 77% of the time going to be combo. I expected it to be closer to like 90 or something like that. Like that is kind of surprising to me. Some people just like playing fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I'll note here that, that Urza actually kind of has in common with Bruvac, our, our last commander we talked about, um, that dramatic reversal is really good in the deck even if you're not playing with a combo. In Bruvac, right. just being able to untap your petitioners even just one time if you're casting it and never doing anything abusive, it's really good. So even if you don't have your combo in 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 place, that's really, really good in that deck. Same thing with Urza. Even if you aren't uh, don't have the combo, don't have access to it, whatever, it's still a really, really useful card. So I think that's one of the things we're seeing here a little bit is we're seeing combos whose pieces are obviously great in a combo, but they're also very effective in these decks without the combo. Yeah, absolutely. And our next commander coming in at number five is another one that takes advantage of Ice Crown Scepter in Go Figure, um, but kind of in a different way, actually. So that is going to be Phoenix, God of Deception. So Phoenix is one of those Theros block gods. Um, it's the Demir one that has the typical, as long as your devotion is you know, a certain number, it's not a creature, it's indestructible. But the important part of Phoenix is the last ability that reads creatures you control have tap target player mills X cards from their library where X is this creature's toughness. So it's all about big toughness creatures being able to mill folks infinitely. So yes, the, uh, they obviously have the dramatic scepter combo to mill, untap, mill, untap, etc. But there are actually 61 combos that we're seeing on the Phoenix page. And that puts it about 1,200 or so of those decks out there are playing some sort of combo in there. Of the 1,500 plus decks, that puts it about 80% of decks out there are playing some sort of combo to mill people out in those Phoenix lists. 
man, this is one that I really didn't expect to see. Like, I was surprised by Yisan, but I, I, th- like, I feel like when I've played against Phoenix out in the wild, it's been some really honest to goodness, just regular old-fashioned mill that maybe struggled a little bit against the expanded scale of the commander format. But the numbers are really bearing it out here that Phoenix is is there to actually combo mill people out, which is something that we kind of pontificated about during our Math Behind the Milling episode. But it's really being borne out here because it's not just the uh, dramatic reversal combo. You can also use things like the uh, the Dusk Mental Guild Mage and Mind Crank combo that Matt, you alluded to earlier in the show, where when someone gets milled, they'll lose a life. And then when they lose a life, they will mill and then so on and so on until they mill out completely or more likely lose all of their life. And, and that's just one of many different combos combos that we're seeing on this page. Well, and, and my favorite combo showing up here, it's kind of actually a one card combo when you think about it along with Phoenix. Uh, that card is Eater of the Dead. And this card is uh, so old, Dana might have forgotten about it. I know wow. I certainly have. Uh, but Eater <laughs> of the Dead is a creature for four and a black uh, for a three, four that says, you know, you can mill it. But the ability on there is to basically you can remove a creature from any graveyard to untap Eater of the Dead, which means you can mill somebody for four with Phoenix out. And as long, as long as there's a creature in a graveyard to exile with Eater of the Dead's ability, you can do that, untap Eater of the Dead, then tap Eater again to mill. And as long as, again, there's another creature that you milled out, you're going to be do this as many times as you want. And it is such a crazy interaction. Only 43% of Phoenix decks are playing Eater of the Dead, though. I mean, but that's still like it, 43% may be playing the Eater of the Dead, but some of these other ones, they're showing up so frequently, like you said, 80% for Phoenix, that this is still a really deadly commander when you sit down across from there's a pretty decent chance that they're actually might be playing some type of combo even one they don't possibly know about because it's so possible with these commanders and as if the mill train wasn't enough like we saw Bruvac earlier and now we're seeing phoenix it's actually not done our number four is also a mill commander this is sir q demir lobotomist this is a really strange uh, commander that is all the way back from the original Ravnica set. Whenever you cast a blue or black spell, it exile mills one card from an opponent's deck. So if you are able to cast a whole lot of spells, you can exile mill them completely to death. So once again, this is a situation of Isochron Scepter and Dramatic Reversal showing up here. Um, so you can infinitely cast a bunch of blue spells and then infinitely exile mill all of your opponents. Really powerful synergy there. But there's actually 51 total different combos that appear on Syracuse page. And of the 300 CRQ decks, 244 of them are using one of those combos in some way. That is a rate of about 81%. So CRQ, if you sit down across from that one, make sure you watch your back. I mean, CRQ definitely at least strikes me as more of a combo commander than Phoenix did. Mm -hmm. Um, That one doesn't really surprise me. Phoenix absolutely is one I think of as a kitchen table commander where you're, you know, just slowly old school grindstoning somebody <laughs> out over the course of a two hour game. Um, so cool, at least is something that strikes me as a definite combo commander that wouldn't shock me at all to see people running these interactions. Yeah, for sure. But man, Mill is a lot more deadly than I think yeah. we all gave it credit for just based off of the numbers we're seeing here. All right, we are now down to our top three most combo-rific commanders. But before we get to them, we are going to take a brief pause and challenge some stats because there is a lot of info, a lot of data here on EDHREC, but we don't always agree with it. Sometimes we think that cards are seeing too much play. Sometimes they are seeing too little play. So what we like to do is challenge those stats here. 
This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Matt, how about you start us off this week? What's your challenge? So challenge of stats, that's the section where for $10 a month at patreon.com slash EDHRETCAST, <laughs> people can submit their own challenge of stats for us to read. Okay, the Patreon plugs. Are you are you pulling a, a brainstorm brewery here, I might Matt? be Is that what stealing a page and anyway. trying to... I mean, I could tell you about twitch.tv slash EDHRETCAST where you can watch all of our <laughs> oh. amazing games every week as well. The, Wednesday nights, 7 Mountain that's, Time. That's so good. Yes, it is a Patreon tier where you can submit challenges. That's idea. We will be uh, picking listener challenges. Um, so excellent plug there, Matt. But what, what what is your challenge? Not just the Patreon. What's, what's, what's your challenge? Okay, so my challenge this week is a card that we are not seeing enough of uh, from the recent Core 21 set. Uh, that card is Ghostly Pilfer. So it is one in a blue for a 2-1 Spirit Rogue. Uh, whenever Ghostly Pilfer becomes untapped, you may pay two mana. If you do, you can draw a card. Whenever an opponent casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand, which includes the command zone, you draw a card, and then you can also discard a card, and Ghostly Pilfer cannot be blocked this turn. Now, this card, I've seen a lot of people talking about hate bears. I've seen all sorts of different discussion in the more high-tuned circles, but I think this is just a good value card, especially in those types of decks that can automatically make it hard to block. Tetsuko Umazawa is one of those decks that I think mm. could take great advantage of it because Ghostly Pilfer is naturally going to be unblockable thanks to Tetsuko's ability uh, of having a toughness of one. And those decks, are they lean a lot into kind of the coastal piracy type effects when a, a creature deals damage, you can draw a card from there. But So Ghostly Pilfer being able to be a second engine type of card, as I said, people cast a lot of commanders in commander games. That's kind of the reason they play commander for, as a format. But there's also graveyard decks out there. There's casting things from exile. There's all sorts of ways to to get Ghostly Pilfer in there. So I think that the 2% of Tetsuko decks out there since Ghostly Pilfer became a card is insanely low. It's only 10 decks total of Tetsuko decks. Uh, I think that is something that needs to be fixed pretty quick uh, because it's such a good and powerful card that is naturally going to be evasive and naturally slides right into what the average Tetsuko Umazawa deck is already doing. We will definitely have to confer with friend of the show, Aaron Radney, and his Tetsuko deck to see if this is one that he's running. Or possibly, did you already get the idea from him? I didn't get the idea from him, but if we're on the same wavelength, it wouldn't surprise me because he's a man of fine taste, and that is what I am as well. <laughs> awesome stuff. All right, I am going to go with mine next. This is a card that is showing up a little too high in some decks. In fact, in a deck that is really near and dear to my heart. And this was brought to our attention by listener Valerio Sorricetti. That is at Valerio Sorice one on Twitter. He let us know that some cards that give you infinite hand size, which are really appealing, so that would be cards like Thought 
Pot Vessel and Reliquary Tower. No hand size. You don't have to discard if you've got too many cards in your hand. Those are really, really good cards, but they're showing up at a strangely high percentage for Marin of Clan Nel Toth, who, of course, is the really famous Golgari commander that will bring stuff back from the graveyard. Thought Vessel shows up in 9% of Marin decks, and Reliquary Tower shows up in 18% of them. And man, as a graveyard aficionado myself, yes, it's been a little bit since I said it, as a necromancer myself, I love discarding cards more than I love drawing cards sometimes. I don't ever want to have an infinite hand size. I want a stacked graveyard. So Valerio, totally agree with you. These cards are way too high for Marin. That's very on-brand for you, Joey. Why, thank you. So congratulations um so i have kind of a strange comparison here this isn't necessarily a challenge for a specific deck but just a weird interaction on a particular card i noticed that should make it seem more play than a similar card so the card i'm talking about here is world at war and specifically i'm talking about world at war in decks that can copy spells which is where i encountered it and it's in roughly the same amount of decks as relentless assault another card that also gives you extra combat steps the important difference here is is the wording of the two spells the way relentless assault is written is it says you untap all creatures that attacked this turn and you get an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase the problem there is if you copy that spell in a deck that has the ability to copy spells frequently your creatures that attacked don't untap because the copy happens immediately mm -hmm. so even though you get a second and you get to copy that attack step and get a second bonus one, none of your stuff untaps. So unless you have vigilance or something, it doesn't really do you any good. World at War doesn't have that reading. The way World at War is written, after the first post-combat main phase's turn, there's an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. And at the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures that attack this turn. So if you copy that the way that's written, your creatures untap during the attack step. So if you have a commander that has the ability to copy spells or just a deck that's copying a bunch of spells and does want to attack, World at War actually works if you copy it compared to almost every other bonus attack step spell. That was comprehensive, and I only followed about 38% <laughs> of it, but that is a really good tip. I did not know that interaction about the Relentless Assault when you copy it, so well done, Dana. I am impressed, even if I am also baffled. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> you're you're very welcome. All right, let's get on now to it. We are talking about the top three most commonly combo-tastic commanders. We're into the top three now. Matt, I'm going to pass this back off to you. What is the third commander that we're seeing here that has the most high percentage likelihood of comboing off in their deck? I'm, I'm so flattered you're giving me this one, um, but I do have a brand <laughs> as do each of us. So I'm, I'm glad I get to introduce Safi Eric's daughter, the number three commander on this list. Uh, that is the Selesnia commander with some pretty weird ability. So what you can do with Safi is you can sacrifice Safi Eric's daughter. And then whenever target creature is put into the graveyard this turn, return that card to play. Uh, Safi has about 68 combos on the page. 147 out of the 175 decks total are playing some sort of combo in there. Uh, so about 84%. 89% uh, are using the Revel Arc combo, but then 86 is using a modern combo that I've used many times over uh, with Renegade Rallier, where you can sacrifice Safi to bring back Renegade Rallier. You sacrifice Renegade Rallier to, say, an Ashnod's Altar, uh, and then... Renegade Rallier comes back with Renegade Rallier's ability, you target Safi, come back onto the battlefield, and you can repeat that process all over again. It is 
infinitely good. Let's just say that. <laughs> it, it is uh, very reminiscent of the number 10 Gerard spot that we saw earlier. Yes. A lot of bringing creatures back from the graveyard, something I can absolutely get behind. So while I do think that your strange Selesnia-ness is um, not to be desired and I don't like it, you attack too much, it's kind of weird. I would prefer that you play something like Golgari because it's like obviously superior. I, I can at least appreciate that you are bringing things back from the graveyard. So we have some type of kinship. Joey, have you ever felt the joy of going to a PPTQ playing the modern format and you register what is in essence an EDH deck because I have, and I did very well at that tournament using this combo specifically. So it was, it was great fun. That is wonderful. Okay. Now we are going to move on to number two, Dana, I'll pass it off to you. Who's number two. Number two here is Zerda, the Dawn Waker with 55 total combos, 245 of the 286 Zerda decks have a combo in them. That's 85%. And a quick refresher here, um, Zerda is one of the recent companions from Akoria, and the ability that's relevant here, that's, it says, abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the cost um, to less than one mana. So this works a little bit similarly to Rings of Bright Hearth. Um, in that, in this case, the, the combo tends to be an infinite mana combo with something like Basalt Monolith that has a, a, a cost of three mana to untap it. So you tap it for three mana, and the cost to untap it is generally three. However, because of Zerda, the cost is reduced down to one. You use one of your three mana to untap Basalt Monolith and tap it again and again. I mean, so it's, it's a really simple infinite mana outlet with a card like that right there in the command zone. Yeah, and that was what we saw uh, was the number five uh, most common um, commander, com sorry, legendary creature inclusive combo when we were looking on episode 125. So yeah, no surprise to see it up this high. But man, you know, I'm just really itching for us to be able to talk about Brea Ethereum Shaper. Like, I feel like she's got to be on this list. It's clear that she's going to be the number one, right? Because she's all like got the artifacts and can sacrifice the artifacts to do whatever she wants. So Matt, tell us about our number one. It's clearly going to be Brea. Just go ahead and tell us about her. But... Um, Joey. Yeah, it's it's not Brea. It's not Brea. It's not Brea. Not Brea's not number one. Wait, okay. I don't. What? Well, so so you're close. Um, so you take Brea. You take yes. out the black and you take out the white. And what are you left with? Uh, you've got red and and blue. Okay, left so over. so so take out the red and, and put green in there instead. <laughs> Wait, what? Okay, so it's a simic. It's a simic commander. Um, that I part feel you should be surprised about. Oh no, I can't. I I I still can't. Uh, go I, I apologize I for that... making you jump through so many hoops and <laughs> and going all over the place. Um, so I'm just going to read the commander. How about that? Um, oh. The commander that takes over the number one spot with 86 percent of decks out there playing some sort of combo in it um, is going to be Kinnan Bonder Prodigy. This is the commander we talked about quite a bit on our previous combo episode. Uh, so Kinnan, for those of you who haven't, you know, been playing Magic since Akoria, um, basically what? it's the Simic Commander. It's 2-2. Whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana, you add one additional mana of any type that permanent produced. Then you can pay five in Simic uh, to look at the top five cards of your library. You may, you may put a non-human creature uh, from among them onto the battlefield and put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Uh, the most common 
combo that you're going to see is another one of those one card combos with the commander. Uh, Basalt Monolith is that card. You can tap it for what becomes four mana uh, with Kinnon out. Then you pay three mana to untap it, tap it again for four mana. So you're, you're netting one mana every time, basically. Uh, it's not hard to pull off at all, guys. It's, it's kind of, I wouldn't say training yeah. wheels, um, but it's definitely, you, you have those big, super wide mountain tires. It's very easy <laughs> to pull off. Yeah, in, in, instead of the cost reducer that we got with Zerta, this is getting extra mana and functionally winds up being the same thing. You're just generating infinite mana by repeatedly activating the same ability. Yeah, they couldn't give Boros a combo commander in the same set without giving Simic something else that also allows you an activated ability in case you can use any of that mana. They couldn't let Boros have it just alone. And this also, you know, in retrospect, it shouldn't surprise me to see it here because this was the number one card that we mentioned that includes a commander that combos off when we were looking through on our last episode that we talked about uh, the whole combo subject. So I shouldn't be too surprised, but I was floored when we put this top 10 together not to see Brea in the top 10 or even in the top three. Like, I really, she's such a fantastic artifact commander. I always associate Brea decks with her, and I couldn't understand, where is she? How is she not in the top 10? Have we drawn the data wrong? What's going on? So we decided to expand a little bit further, not just the top 10, but let's throw onto the screen the next 10 here from 11 to 20. Is Brea there? Is she here? Can I talk about Brea or no? Well, Joey, looking at the um, numbers 11 through 20, Brea does not make the cut there either. Wait, no, really? I'm, I'm actually, I'm kidding. She's number 12. So close <laughs> oh, to the top 10. Goodness. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Okay, yeah, let's look through it. Yes, so she, 70% of her decks are using some form of combo. That's nearly 2,000 of her uh, 2,800 decks. There are 194 possible different combo iterations on her page. Oh, my goodness. Number 12, you know what? I can... I can live with that. I really thought that she would be higher, but at least she's there. There are some really interesting commanders here that we're seeing once we expand past the uh, past the top 10 and take a, a look at a couple of these other ones. There's a lot of pretty nasty commanders here that can use some type of combo, and it's a pretty decently hot popularity for them, too. Well, it, it's kind of cool seeing Calamax the Stormsire. That's the, the Teemer-colored uh, legendary dinosaur from Ikoria Commander. Uh, showing up at number 19, uh, 66%, so two-thirds of Calamax decks are playing some sort of combo. I remember in our set review of this, we were kind of wondering, is this really what you want to be doing? It's kind of a, a Riku, only at, at first glance, to me at least, a little less powerful. So seeing Calamax showing up, not just in, in good numbers popularity-wise, but a lot of combos in there, um, people really resonate with Calamax as a commander. Well, and especially because that's one of those commanders where just leaning into his strategy to copy stuff even a little bit means that you wind up with the infinite combos with other reverberate style effects that go infinite with your commander there too. So even gently tuning up the deck inevitably means that there's going to be combos in it. I, I would guess so the reason Calmax is actually not higher is probably an issue of dilution. I would bet there's plenty of people that built that Calmax deck without the intent to combo out and there isn't a combo in it whereas looking at something like like kinnon i don't know if there's a reason to build kinnon really if you aren't building a combo same with zerta so i think that's probably why you see a few of these commanders down here including probably brea that definitely have huge combo potential but aren't exclusively com combo feeling commanders. It's an issue of dilution, I think, where there's enough people that didn't build combo to hit their numbers, whereas there probably just aren't a lot of people not building combo with things like Safi or Zerda or Kinnon. 
Yeah, absolutely. There, there is very much that impression that you get sitting down from a commander, sitting down across from a commander, and you'll you'll sort of have in the back of your head like, ooh, yeah, I bet that there's a combo going on in there. Or maybe you'll just be like, oh, this could be any old thing. And like that's what I found so fascinating about this particular data that we were pulling is that there's a really big mix here. It doesn't feel obvious to me that all of these commanders that we've talked about are necessarily always reaching for a combo. You know, I see a Brea and I'm just like, oh, definitely. But I see a Phoenix and I'm just like, eh doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be. I don't know. Um, so we get a really strange mix of them going on here, and Calamax is definitely one of those. So now that we've gone through the list of the top 20 combo happy commanders, what are some of your guys' takeaways just looking at the list and kind of taking it all in? Um, what's what's something that you know you, maybe you could bullet point as we walk away from this? I mean, I gotta confess, I'm still surprised to not see some certain commanders here like Gave Guru of Spores. He doesn't show up in the top 20, despite the fact that when we were looking at the most popular com uh, combos that include a legendary creature, he was number four on that particular list. But that is maybe a good sign for Gave. Just because he can combo doesn't mean that everyone necessarily is trying to use him as a combo. I'm sure that there are hundreds of different potential combos on his page, but they aren't necessarily always included in the Gave decks that we see. Um, so that's kind of a, a refreshing piece of information for me there to take away that like, you know, I've got a, a, a knee-jerk reaction when I see Gave, but that isn't always the way that people are necessarily going to build him. If I were to offer up a guess as to why Gave in particular doesn't show up here, it would be that despite the ability to generate a ton of infinite combos in Gave, you still tend to need to use the combat damage step to win. Mm. Um, I think the same is true with Animar. There's a lot of Animar um, infinite combos to make Animar infinitely large, but you still need to swing in and win. And I, I think there's perhaps um, a group of people that when they want to build a combo deck, they want the combo to win. They don't want to have to deal with the extra step of having to swing in. So I wonder if that doesn't knock those numbers on a little bit because those gave and Animar both tend to be combat damage win conditions off the infinite versus some of these other ones that just win the game. Well, and I would argue too that kind of your your stance on maybe there's some dilution out there. Um, you know, with Animar, there's uh, the the combo that goes infinite to to get it infinitely big with ancestral statue. Uh, that's kind of the de facto thing. Whereas with Gave, what we talked about was you know you have the Cathars Crusade combos and you can make all sorts of mana. So I think people have kind of honed in. And, and the stats have kind of become self-fulfilling where people find the most efficient thing and they focus on that versus mm -hmm. exploring a little more like you used to be able to do uh, with Gave especially. Uh, I, we joke many times about how you can oops into a combo with dang near any card with, with Gave. And I think people just kind of shied away from it because they found uh, the, maybe the three or four that were the most efficient and really focused on those. And that's what the stats are reflecting now. And, and this, too, is a really good opportunity for us to mention that just because these commanders can do combo or that they are frequently played with those combos like we saw, we were up in the, you know, 80 percent and the 70 percent or something like that. That doesn't mean that they have to do combo. You know, if you don't like a combo, then absolutely make sure that you play what you enjoy. It just can be useful. We hope that this information is useful for folks to know that people will be afraid of your Brago deck comboing off because according to the numbers, it tends to do that a whole lot. Like the data shows that that is what people do with it more often than not. But this really is just an average. So this is useful information for you to know what people's perceptions of these commanders might be, but then also to figure out whether combo is what you specifically want to be doing with commanders like this, or if you want to take them in an entirely different direction. So Joey, we, we did tease at the top of the show 
uh, we might have a little bit of information on the least combo happy commanders. What do you have for us as far as <laughs> commanders that don't seem to be using too many combos? Yes, this is a great note for us to end on for sure, because, yeah, we want to talk about the most combotastic commanders, but also the least combotastic commanders. That was something we were really interested in measuring. Um, so the commanders that are, that are least likely to combo off in a game, they don't have any combos on their page. And it turns out we actually can't show anyone that information because it is far too much. Um 848 of the 962 possible commanders on EDHREC contain at least one combo somewhere on their page. That's 88% of commanders have at least one combo on their page and in their decks. Like, that's a whole lot. So that leaves about over 100 commanders that have zero combos on their pages. And that is just far too much to fit into one episode. It's just very difficult to measure the absence of something, especially when it is that high. Notably, though, of those, um, you know, over 100 commanders that have zero combos on their page, not all of them actually see play. So, you know, we did try another tack to maybe limit it down and see what the percentage looks like if we only count commanders that have at least 100 decks to their name. What did we find there? So it's an interesting stat, actually. So there it becomes 962 commanders, 534 of them have at least one combo in there and have at least 100 decks to their name, which means 55% of all commanders have at least something going on combo-wise that are actually getting played. Yeah, like over over 100. Oh, goodness, that's um still a really big metric. But with that said, we were able to find one other piece of information. There is one commander, just one commander, that has over 100 decks to its name and has no combos on its page or in at least one deck. Dana, please tell us who this commander is. This commander is... The the best boy, the best boy, Mowu loyal companion. If Matt could have any partner, it would be <laughs> it would be this combo free commander. It'd be it'd be the muscly boy himself. Yes, the best boy. <laughs> Two hundred and seventy two decks. Less than one percent have a combo. He he doesn't go infinite because he's just a good boy who he just wants to punch you in the face the normal way. He just he just wants his treats. That's all he wants. <laughs> just wants to wag his tail really hard against you. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that that's a perfect note to end on. So it's difficult to measure some of the other least combo stuff, but at least we were able to find that Mobu. You're, you're good, you're honest, you're not going infinite, you're just going right for our hearts. It's lovely. So with that, what I think we need to do is call this episode to a close. I'd like to thank my co-host so much for joining me, and fellas, if our listeners are interested in getting in touch with us, where can they find you all? So you can find me at Mathemus55, that's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. You can also find all three of us and people such as CAG members, all the way to Command Zone editors showing up on twitch.tv slash EDHRECcast Wednesday evenings. And coming up, we even have Sed and Ken from the One More Mana show coming up to join the stream. It is going to be great, so make sure you tune in because the games are always a pleasure to have. And you can find me writing uh, once or twice a month on EDHREC. You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach, and you can hear me on my other podcast a couple times a week, CMDR Central. And you can also find all of us us on patreon.com slash edhreccast. 
And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast at EDHRETCast on both Facebook and on Twitter. And if you have a question, you can contact us at EDHRETCast at gmail.com. Our thanks again to Josh Lequai and the entire team at the Command Zone for handling the post-production work on the podcast. And of course, our thanks to our sponsors, TCG Player and CardKingdom.com. You can find them using the price info links on EDHREC, or of course, by visiting CardKingdom.com slash EDHREC, and that will show your support for the show. Listeners, we will be back at you next week with more data and insights, but until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 